African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Channel Africa, thank you for joining us here. South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. You're currently listening to African Dialogue, where we break down the top stories on the African continent. You're with me, and uh, we're joined by uh, two guests who are going to help us unpack the situation in Ethiopia. We know that uh, the latest has been that the United States has called on the African Union and other international partners to address the deepening crisis in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Uh, a report published last week by Amnesty International led to strong criticism from Eritrea in Ethiopia. Uh, the report described horrific scenes in the northern city of Aksum, including extrajudicial executions and discriminate shelling and widespread looting after Ethiopian and Eritrean military forces led an offensive to take control of the city. Eight workers on the ground had reported hearing gunshots from the main cities, including the region's capital. Michele, the UN Office of the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs sent that particular report. Well, uh, to help us on this, we're joined by Ibrahim Dean, senior researcher from the Afro Middle East Center. And then we also have Ethiopia's ambassador uh, to South Africa uh, giving us his time. Let me start the conversation with you, Ibrahim, just to set um, context in this particular conversation in terms of what is the situation on the ground currently. Uh, we know that uh, Ethiopia's prime minister had taken control of Michele. Can you just give us a little bit more of the context behind the situation here for our listeners? Okay, I think when we look at the context, we need to look at the fact that, you know, Ethiopia is a very big country. And, you know, it's divided into the different federal zones, 10 federal zones. Uh, what happened was, you know, previously the, the ruling coalition was made up of ethnic parties that were linked to the federal zones. Um, and it then, uh, you know, I mean, there was underrepresentation. Democracy was lacking. And, you know, uh, by 20, 2014, 2015, the, you know, the majority Oromo population feeling very underrepresented because the TPLF, which makes up 6% of the population, you know, dominated the Ethiopian party for, uh, you know, revolutionary party for socialism and democracy. So what happened was, you know, we saw the, the rise to power of Abiy Ahmed, uh, you know, in Oromo. Um, and, you know, what, hap- you know, what happened in, in the, the ensuing years was the fact that there has been this increased, one, uh, there was, you know, initially a drive towards democracy, but also uh, a centralization. And, you know, in 2018, uh, Abiy Ahmed formed the Prosperity Party, uh, uh, which was a party to try and move away from the ethnic system towards a system that's more uh, about na- nation-building nationality in Ethiopia itself. Um, but what has happened in the, in the past two years is there has been an increasing, uh, uh, you know, move towards authoritarianism, but also a move away from, 
you know, recognizing the different ethnic groupings. Um, but, you know, in saying so, the CPLF has been also very impressed and wanted to relinquish power. So what happened in 2020 was that there was supposed to be uh, an election. Uh, however, the issue was that because of the coronavirus, the election was then postponed. The TPLF fearing that, uh, you know, uh, or wanting to, to have its own election, wanting to, you know, continue its dominance of Tigray, had its election in September, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in opposition to, the, you know, the government, in the sense, and most of the other party, uh, parties. And, you know, uh, after then, you know, it, uh, you know, I mean, the TPLF has, did try to take over the Northern Command in Mikele, which then led to this, um, you know, the government moving in and, um, you know, together with Eritrean groups, uh, uh, taking over much of, the, of, of, of Tigray. So the, the issue is, you know, two parts. It's the part that there's a centralization part, but there's also a part of, of you know, a, a federalist or a regional party wanting to, you know, who previously controlled the country for 20 years, wanting to remain in control. So there's, in a sense, you know, both parties, in a sense, you know, have some blame uh, to take for the current situation being as it is. Mm. Well, uh, Ibrahim, you gave us a bit of a context there. Uh, let me bring in uh, Ambassador uh, Dr. Shafarao Teklamariam, who is uh, Ethiopia's ambassador uh, to South Africa. Honorable Ambassador, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you so much, uh, Benjamin, again. Well, Ambassador, it seems like it has historical and transitional um themes here that are going on as was highlighted by Ibrahim from your standpoint of view um, what is the real issue at hand here uh, because we know that there seems to be a, a consistent uh, um, uh, you know friction between the current government and we know that uh, uh, that particular um, conflict is within uh, the, the Tigray region with the Tigray People's Liberation Front and also this capital, Mekele, has been uh, an area of high contestation in, in the last few years. Uh, but things have really spiraled, especially in 2020. Your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Benjamin, again, uh, having us uh, for this uh, very important and uh, current issue. I think, the first of all, we have to be very aware that TPLF, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, is a, what you call a dominant party in the coalition of uh, Ethiopian People's uh, Democratic, uh, what you call Revolutionary Democratic Front, which we mm. call it EPRDF. Mm. This was a party leading the country for 27 years. And uh, that was, uh, you may say, from 1991 to 2008. So in, in that 2018, I mean. So from 1991 to 2018. So within that period, uh, TPLF has enjoyed, and it's very important to underline this, the impunity, impunity against uh, all kinds of uh, rules, regulations, and constitutional frames, and also dominance, uh, dominance, political dominance, as well as economical dominance. As Ibrahim uh, mentioned, uh, this kind of impunity and the political and economical dominance for the then 27 years has created and did create uh, 
uh, a huge protest in different regions. It's not only in Oromo, it's Oromia and Amara regional states, and probably across the across the board. And uh, not only the popular protest, but also uh, a serious dissatisfaction in the party itself, so in the EPRDF party itself. So uh, what happened on uh, 2018, April 2018, it was the party come together and they discussed seriously what went wrong. So there are several issues that are identified, but the, 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 the global ones where the political space is very much narrow, the democratization process was uh, very much uh, challenged, and equality and uh, inequality really prevailed. So the, 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 the power sharing, as well as the, the benefit from whatever the country is uh, getting through was not going very well. The corrupt practices as rampant and human rights violations were here and there. So to address those issues, the, the EPRDF had the coalition party agreed that transformation is a serious reform is required in the country. So that's how the transition of power from the then former uh, Prime Minister, Hedemariam de Salin, uh, transited very colorfully, very peacefully to uh, Prime Minister Dr. Abiy Ahmed. Now the problem started when this started this agreement to be implemented. Mm. Of, of course, the implementation has to make sure impunity has to end, dominance, be it a political or economical, has to end, so that everyone in the nation to enjoy at, at the same level whatever is available constitutionally, economically, and politically. One important point, Benjamin, is mm. so the, the defense of the TPLF uh, within that uh, two years period between uh, the, the 2018 April to November 2020, was, I'll tell you, they started to destabilize the whole nation. There are 114 violent conflicts that are taking place. Magale started to become like a safe haven of all kinds of human rights violators, all that of corrupt practices, so and so on. And above all, uh, Ibrahim mentioned about that election, which is in defense of the constitutional mandate, which the regions cannot do it, and this is a mandate of the federal government and the Federal National Electoral Board of Ethiopia. Now the red line was they attacked the, the, the Northern Command Force of the Ethiopian National Defense Force mm. in the impression that they can control it, and then they will use it that like... Uh, that, uh, to to, you know, to negotiate with the federal government after surrendering all kinds of military equipment and artillery that were at the at the northern uh, command. So this is like uh, the background and uh, the the whole the whole reason mm-hmm. why TPLF did attack under the national northern command of the national defense force was to maintain it is all time enjoyed impunity and political and economical dominance as we speak. Well, let's take a quick break because we need to 
really let that whole issue come in. And we're going to come back to why the Tigray region has been an area of contestation. And we know also that Ethiopian Prime Minister Abe Ahmed was also criticised around uh, his uh, continuous uh, insistence that uh, the elections shouldn't take place in 2020. And that seems to have been an issue of contestation uh, for Ethiopia's politics. If you're just joining us now, we're joined by Ambassador Dr. Shifarao Tekla Mariam, who is an Ethiopia ambassador to South Africa. We also have Ibrahim Dean, senior researcher from the Afro Middle East Center. Stay with us as we unpack this very um, complicated situation in Ethiopia. As you heard, it has many ethnic layers to it and also a historical uh, political uh, story. Uh, so we'll also try to break down these different themes so we understand the story a little much better. It's 21 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. We'll be back. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLE to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. You are listening to Channel Africa, South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. If you're listening to us from the continent on DSTV, uh, from the uh, Southern African region, uh, you can listen to us on DSTV Channel 802 on that particular audio bouquet. Or internationally, join us on www.channelafrica.co.za where you can stream us live. You're with me, Benjamin Moshatama, on our program today. We're trying to unpack the politics of Ethiopia. Uh, we are honored to have Ambassador Dr. Shefarao Teklameria, who is uh, Ethiopia's ambassador to South Africa. Also, we have Ibrahim Dean, senior researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. Now, it's difficult to take sides, Ibrahim, on who's right and who's wrong in, in this particular issue. While some people could insist the fact that uh, uh, due to the fact that uh, there was a prosperity party which was uh, created as a form of uh, ethnic federalism and also uh, to um, distance themselves from those issues of ethnic nationalist politics um, in the country. Uh, we know that uh, Prime Minister Abe Ahmed tried uh, to merge ethnic and region-based parties uh, uh, in, within the uh, Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front through this prosperity party. We know the TPLF 
if didn't want to be part of that particular process, maybe believed in their politics that have lasted for uh, 27 years and have dominated Ethiopia. But now the other side of the coin is the fact that uh, the Prime Minister, Be Ahmed, uh, postponed twice uh, the elections of uh, 2020, which could have frustrated the TPLF. It is a very um, mixed bag in terms of the right and wrongs here. I mean, I think, you know, as Dr. Shiparawi said, and I agree with most of his, his historical background, is that the TPLF does seem to have not wanted to exit power. Uh, that does seem to be an issue. I mean, you know, in terms of the postponing of the election, that is an unclear issue because the Constitution doesn't really have any, um, any uh, clarity on what happens in, in an instance where an election doesn't happen, who is the government that rules after, you know, the, 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 the mandate. Expired, so that was actually passed by the parliament, and the TPLF argues that that process is not constitutional. But you know, we can say that the TPLF has very been very intransigent since 2018. Uh, you know, uh, in trying to protect uh, its, its own sphere of influence at the local level, at the local regional level, and also wanted to dominate politics at the national level. So that that has happened. Where the where the issue becomes a bit more unclear is actually you know, what happened, what's happening now and what's happened with the intervention. Because up to the intervention stage, uh, you know, largely most of the country supports and supported Abiy Ahmed. Uh, you know, even the parties that have been criticizing him, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in terms of the different uh, regions and federations. Um, but, you know, uh, in, in relation to what's happened since, the fact that, you know, uh, it, it's now largely and widely recognized that there were Eritrean troops and that, you know, present in, in Tigray that helped with, uh, with the attempt to oust the TPLF. Uh, you know, those issues uh, do hint at the fact that there's an increasing uh, attempt to centralize power, but centralize power in a way that is undermining, uh, you know, not just the TPLF, but the different ethnic groupings within the country. You know, we just see also in September, for example, the arrests of, uh, you know, many of the Oromo mm. uh, liberation front leaders, such as Yawar Muhammad, you know, who criticized the Ahmed. So there does seem to be, you know, some uh, uh, cracking down within the regime. And that's, that's the concerning issue, uh, that, you know, that this crackdown seems to have increased a bit uh, in, in the Tigray region. Uh, in Mikele, and it does seem as if there's actually external forces helping the, the, the current forces to actually uh, crack down on Tigray. Because, I mean, for the most part, much of the country did support Abiy Ahmed and does support uh, Abiy Ahmed's attempt to actually, uh, you know, undermine or, or the dominance of the TPLF. Because TPLF, as the, as the, the ambassador said, you know, had seemed to dominate and uh, didn't really want to give up power. Also thought that because it had the Northern Command there, because it had 250,000 forces, mm. it could actually camp down in the region and still stay, you know, uh, stay and use that to negotiate. But, you know, what's happening is the broader context that's, that's the concern, not just, you know, not just the intervention uh, in Tigray. Do you want to respond to that criticism that has been highlighted there, Ambassador, uh, by Ibrahim? Yeah, and, uh, thank you so much um, again, Benjamin. I, I think, uh, uh, as you said, uh, we in the continent, by the way, we are uh, celebrating the 125th uh, anniversary of 
Adwa victory as we speak today. Mm. And I would like to say for Ibrahim and for yourself, uh, we are very much uh, proud of uh, this uh, continental landmark uh, victory, which uh, really inspires us in, in, the, in Ethiopia as well as in the continent. In fact, uh, we call it also, this is an empowerment, an inspiration for the black people wherever we are. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on your point, uh, which you said uh, difficult to take sides, uh, Benjamin, I'll forward a question for yourself. In South Africa, we have uh, various uh, opposition as well as ruling parties, as we know. Mm-hmm. If any of the opposition party, if they uh, come up with an armed struggle against and then start to attack the the South African uh, National Defense Force, what mm-hmm. would be your side? What would be your reaction? Mm-hmm. This is a type of uh, discussion we are getting into it. You know, in, uh, in our own constitution, in uh, Ethiopian uh, federal constitution, if you want to exit from the, the from the from the federation, you have all the procedures, and which you are also very much uh, allowed. We have what we call the windows and doors, which you can uh, initiate the process. And then, uh, if you want to know that there is there is a, a provision for cessation and uh, self-administration up to ex- the extent of cessation. This is our constitution, so there is no any need for anyone to attack uh, such uh, organizations like the National Defense Force. Attacking the National Defense Force, it means like you are now compromising the legitimacy of the government, the the sovereignty of the government, and the identity of the government. It's not like you are playing with uh, small, lower issues. This is a a treasonous attack. Mm -hmm. This is a a serious uh, defense against a constitutional order. And this is also a terrorist attack. I'll I'll give you only one example so that you will understand the the matter very well. Mm -hmm. Since uh, April 2018 until November 2020, there are all kinds of internal mechanisms that are triggered for TPLF to come back, not to be part of the Prosperity Party. The constitutional framework allows a multi-party system in the country. So being opposition party is not a problem at all. And they don't need to be part of the Prosperity Party as well. The Prosperity Party was formed on December 2019. Since then, I already mentioned about 100, including the attack to the National Defense Force, 114 violent attacks were uh, mastered, financed, and led by the TPLF militia. Uh, Actually, by the way, we have to separate the people of Tigray, the Tigrayans themselves, from the TPLF militia. They are the ones who are dominating in politics, dominating in economics, and in economic terms, they didn't bring their, their uh, dividends to the people of Tigray, to the Tigrayans themselves. The Tigrayans are Ethiopians. They were, uh, by the way, when the law enforcement operation started with the aim of uh, disarming the TPLF, there are more than 170,000 trained militia and special forces that are basically prepared to take over the, 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 the national, the federal system by force. 
these people are preparing themselves. So I'll uh, proceed on the other one. It's not the, the prosperity part is not to centralize the power, uh, Benjamin. While we were t- t- uh, discussing, the trans-regional state actually emerged as, uh, as an additional federated region in the process of prosperity party. So a, a party that denies any federal system will not allow another federal federated regional state to join. So the, being the opposition party was not a problem. Mm. Recognizing the federal system was not a problem. In mm. fact, more regional states were coming into play. Mm. And the, what, 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 what uh, I would like to say is the rule of law shouldn't be uh, um, confused or mixed up with whatever uh, system of operation, be it a centralized system or be it a federal system. Rule of law, constitutional order, has to operate to anyone else. No, no one should be considered beyond and above the law. Hmm. The operation in Tigray region, the law enforcement operation, is basically it's not it's not they they want it to be a federal uh, region federated uh, state no that's not a problem that's constitutional mm-hmm. that's what the prosperity party believes that's what is in their own manifesto prosperity party's manifesto as well the operation and Tigray region with tplf was a law enforcement operation because they defied the constitution they defied any kinds of uh, rules and regulations that are brought by the House of Federation, House of People's Representatives. I'll, uh, I'll bring you one important question, Benjamin, mm. to yourself. Mm. If the election that has taken place in September, if it has to brought a different uh, party, mm. then you may say, okay, this election for Tigray was important. Mm. But after the election, election, quote-unquote, which, which they said election, mm. it, it, it didn't bring anything new, which was happening right now. TPLF was there before. Mm. Now TPLF is, uh, is continued after then. So what, 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 why they were in a hurry mm. against the mandate of the federal government, which is a mandate of the National Electoral Board of Ethiopia, mm. to conduct such general elections, to be in a hurry and to replace yourself now you are the, the legitimate authority. Mm. It has, this is like something which even defies itself as meaningless and fruitless mm. because the same party is deemed to take over the region as it was before and nothing new created and they claimed like they, uh, they won like 98% or 99% of who they are like to replace yourself. All right. So this is uh, what we wanted, and we have to be bold enough, uh, Benjamin, mm. to say, uh, you know, what is what? Yeah. When we don't say, blade is blade, this is this, then we are incentivizing mm. such kind of behaviors in our own circumstances that they become legitimate and will have an equal footing and fitting and then to complicate uh, everything further. Sure. Well, let me take one more break and then we'll we'll come back with uh, where the struggle sits currently right now 
in the region. We know more and more uh, humanitarian organizations are calling for interventions in the Tigray region as uh, they are uh, telling scores of hundreds of people who are, are dying in uh, parts of the southwest of Ethiopia's Tigray region. We know that the Makela region is also still a sensitive uh, uh, area currently in the country. We'll just look at the current status with our guests. Ibrahim Dean joins us, senior researcher at Afro-Middle East Center. You just heard the voice of Ambassador Dr. Shafarao Teklamariam, who is Ethiopia's ambassador to South Africa. Let's take a quick break. A lot to digest in a lot of information that we're getting here from our program today. Let's let it simmer in and then we'll take things forward after this short break. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on black economic empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I've tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatam, on African Dialogue. We're about to wrap up our conversation with the Honorable Ambassador to South Africa from Ethiopia, Dr. Shefarao Teklamariam, and he's joining us alongside Ibrahim Dean, Senior Researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center. Ibrahim, there is a humanitarian crisis that more and more is being critiqued and there's also been some indications whereby um, there have been a lot of killings that are taking place in this particular region the numbers keep rising and it seems like as much as um, um, the prime minister's federal army has ousted uh, the TPLF from the Mekele in November there's still a contention around this there's also indications that are saying that the the Eritrean soldiers that have partnered with uh, the federal army have uh, killed unknown numbers of uh, civilians in Aksum. Um, this is uh, very much uh, worrying because it's said to be a retaliation of an earlier attack of the TPLF, but we can't really uh, say this is a fact because the Ethiopia and Eritrean troops are denying uh, that the Eritrean troops participated in the conflict. Yes, I mean, I think that's the issue. It's what has happened since the takeover of, of, of uh, Tigran, is that, you know, there's been blackouts, internet blackouts. Only now are we really getting some of the information. And there does seem to have been, uh, you know, many massacres committed. You know, just looking at the evidence and the video footage that is emerging now, Al Jazeera has a few uh, documentaries or reports out on Amnesty issued a report. And, you know, what? is the issue is the fact that, you know, the TPLF and, and the Eritreans, uh, you know, had been in contestation uh, for the past 
uh, I mean, ever since 1993, you know, with the formation of, uh, you know, after the Derg was was fully uh, uh, removed from Ethiopia. So, you know, the the, the, the presence of the Eritrean troops, one was that that is contentious because the legality of that is seriously questionable, but also the the, the actions of these troops. You know, it does seem as if there was massacres committed by mostly Eritrean groups, not so much Ethiopian groups, but also, the, you know, there does seem to have been that. And what has happened since is, you know, we're seeing a region that may not necessarily then support uh, the Federation. The fact that now the TPNF would be more popular in Tigray than it was previously because of the heavy-handed nature of the offensive. It's not a law enforcement operation. It's literally a takeover. And... We can, we can, and I think, I mean, both of both me and His Excellency, the ambassador, does do admit that the reason for the the offensive was actually the intransigence of the TPLF. Uh, what has happened since, though, seems to be a, a bigger project, uh, and a project that has been very heavy-handed in nature, and a project that you know still eludes the fact that the TPLF has much support in Tigray and actually. Uh, you know, that, that this may actually enforce this support uh, and may not necessarily be good for the country going forward. Um, Your Excellency, you, you want to respond to that question? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, uh, Benjamin. I think you we should get uh, properly outright that uh, since the, the new reform uh, issued on uh, April 2018 to 2020, uh, until November 2020, the TPLF uh, behavior was uh, unhealthy. So the prime minister and personal uh, capacity, as well as uh, several uh, special invoice, uh, tried this kind of scenario not to be created at all. There are uh, religious groups, eminent persons, diplomats, Elders who sent to uh, Magali uh, to avoid uh, such scenario to being uh, uh, unfolded as we speak. So I'll tell you a summary. Summary is whatever mess that's happening in the Tigray region, the primary responsible institution is the, the TPLF itself. And it was their mess, and uh, the cleaning process of its mess now creating a, a problem It's by its own. That's the number one. The second one is, while TPLF was uh, retreating itself from uh, Magali, it really destroyed so many of the infrastructures. The, the roads, the bridges, airports, and the health facilities, depots, the, the power of infrastructure, the telecom, so even accessing and also delivering the, the essential supplies was uh, a serious challenge, and you have to, to rebuild, re, reco- reconstruct all those ones back to its uh, ordinary nature so that everything is possible. Now, the Ethiopian government uh, has already made very clear that uh, the humanitarian support will be as much as possible pushed into the region, and 70% of the humanitarian support is coming from the Ethiopian government, and only 30% that's coming from uh, the UN and other organizations. And when we speak loud, 
we have to speak not only on voice terms, we have to speak on action terms as well. Mm -hmm. So we still demand that to take place. And uh, on the memo that was uh, circulated on February 2016, I mean 26, Mm -hmm. uh, 2021, there is uh, a provision for unfettered humanitarian access and also joint investigation in the Tigray region. So the government has already set up a team, a task team, and whenever there is a, you know, a, a need, there is also an indication for international technical assistance on that to investigate mm-hmm. any kinds of human rights violation, All right. any kinds of uh, su- su- suspected uh, or reported, including the amnesty business. By the way, the Amnesty International reports is an uh, unfortunate one. They uh, are uh, saying they interviewed someone in Sudan, someone in Aksum, and they are making a report, which is, uh, for us, I'll tell you, this is very uh, unsubstantiated and also politically motivated, and it's also a serious misinformation. Okay, when you I have to... such kind of report, mm. you have to get... Uh, the, the the other side of the mm. story as well. You cannot mm. conclude and, and communicate the rest of the world from uh, such a, what you call a legitimate institution which is wrongdoing as mm. we speak. Sorry to cut you off there, um, Ambassador, but I'm running out of time, so I have to um, end the conversation. But I think we've touched some of the key themes that are pivotal and the questions that are rising at this particular time. Thank you to uh, the Honorable Ambassador, Dr. Ashifarao Teklameriam, Ethiopia's Ambassador to South Africa. Thank you as well to Ibrahim Dean, Senior Researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.